do you really have to own a home to be somebody? You know, we, we use that as a tool, right? Well, we need to get everybody as homeowners. Well, what, why? You know, who wrote that? Welcome to Bridging the Potential, intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Fahim Dyer, founding member of Living the Potential Network's Youth Advisory Council, with a question for you. What happens when you bridge the experience, education, and expertise of an elder with the curiosity, energy, and innate wisdom of a youth? It's simple. Everyone grows and the world changes for the better. One conversation, one connection, one collaboration at a time. Today's podcast is no different. Renee Beth connected me with Jill DeHaven, who is a real estate broker and urban planning specialist in the New Mexico area. I think you will enjoy our conversation about the nature, challenges, and possible future of real estate and the real estate market. My favorite thing about this conversation was the enthusiasm that gets generated when you have a light bulb moment and get to think in new, exciting, transformative ways about familiar work. I know Jill managed to spark that enthusiasm in me. I hope I'm correct in sensing it was mutual. And I think you, the listener, may just find some for yourself in our chat. Hello, this is Renee Beth Poindexter, founder of Living the Potential Network and your host for today's podcast. When I wrote the book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, I set out to find creative spaces where we could bring people together who want to hear what the youth have to say. And that's what this podcast is all about. In these conversations, after listening to the youth's concerns and dreams, we connect them with elders or mentors who have experience and wisdom <laughs> to share and who is open to learning and receiving from the innovative spirit of the youth. And it's a reciprocal learning at its best because wisdom knows no age. I always leave these conversations inspired and I think you will too. Today, I have two fascinating people that um, have a lot in common. And the um, first person I want to introduce is uh, Jill DeHaven. She's from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and she'll be interfacing with Fahim Dyer who's coming to us from New York. Before we get to Fahim, though, I want you to know a little bit about Jill. Jill DeHaven is a visionary entrepreneur. She's a public and private profit partnership academic you know, leader in just about every kind of domain that you can think of. She has a lot of experience in real estate development, urban planning, and workforce, de workforce development. She has over 30 years of owning companies and 15 years of business and sustainability. She loves change, manage, change management, easy for me to say, change management and strategic uh, transformation, innovation, and um, she's got strong interpersonal skills. I think, Jill, you could probably strike up a conversation with just about anybody, and you love the whole consensus building process, so we're so grateful to have you with us today. Welcome, Jill DeHaven. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yes. Um, I, I do live in the, uh, people call me living in the Pollyanna world. I 
re refer it to the art of the possible as opposed to Pollyanna. So that yeah. art of the possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's such an amazing experience. And now you're living in, in New Mexico, but your life has been kind of an interesting journey that's brought you there. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're up to these days and that you're Ooh. most passionate about? Okay, uh, well, I was born in New Mexico, Roswell, New Mexico, which probably speaks volumes to my approach on everything, being born in the home of alien world. Um, I lived in New Mexico, I was an oil field brat, moved to Texas, pre-teens, bounced around various places in Texas, um, and then found my way back to New Mexico about eight years ago. Um, I have always, there's always been a pull, you know, it's always felt like home and, and although I, I can't say I'll stay here forever, but it, it's certainly been an enjoyable eight years. Um, background wise, I've been in and out of commercial real estate pretty much my whole career. Uh, I've never been in residential, it's always been the commercial side. Um, I, for a few years, jumped on faculty at University of Texas at Arlington in their School of Urban Planning and uh, taught uh, sustainability and helped develop their master's program there in sustainability. So sustainability has kind of been a, a focus of mine for the last, long before it was a, a, a word that was recognizable, I'll say probably last 15, 20 years. And now it's kind of pushed forward uh, with a, a new word that is more popular in my mind, uh, which is regeneration. Um, and I'm working to apply that with the skills and knowledge I have in commercial real estate. That's pretty interesting when you talk about the difference between sustainability and the regeneration. There's a big distinction. And when you think about that in relationship to urban planning and workforce development, I know those are things that we're all trying to reinvent ourselves now as after coming through this pandemic, who knows when it's totally going to be is there ever back to normal? I don't think so. Oh, I hope not. I, I'd like to think we learned a few lessons over the last 18 months that we're actually uh, ready to kind of shake it off and appreciate that um, there really are ways to do good and do well and do them simultaneously as opposed to having to do one before you do the other. Um, and uh, you know, my interest in regenerative anything uh, really stems from the reality that sustainability, when we first talked about sustainability 20 years ago, um, and even 10 years ago, we had the ability to actually do something like clean energy, uh, recycling, all those things to sustain where we were, and it would be okay. And we didn't do that. And so fast forward, we're now sitting, you know, in the 21st century, year 2021, and uh, we now have to heal what we broke before we can actually sustain. And that's really where the regenerative pieces come into play. So uh, simply being sustainable uh, is not is not enough. I mean, the, the pieces are already broken. Now we gotta fix the pieces and when we get enough pieces fixed, then we can you know, get back into using that same right. Word. You you said something about heal. We have to heal what we're growing. We do. We have to so, heal it. I mean, there you are in New Mexico, and I I understand that back in the day it was all green, and now 
It's exactly right. This used to be what's called bread basket in the United States. We used to produce more, more food as a state than pretty much any other state. And those that have visited this state in the last 20 years will find that hard to believe uh, because it has definitely turned brown. And, um, it, and there's lots of reasons behind that. And they're all called human as opposed to, you know, something came out of the sky and blew up and that's why we're sitting here. But um, it, it's, it is a moment on this planet uh, to really appreciate that we all play a role and we're gonna have to figure out what those roles are and not playing them or maintaining, you know, standing on the sidelines. It's just not going to work. I mean, it's all hands on deck right now in whatever you're doing. Uh, for me, it's real estate. Uh, for others, it will be healthcare or manufacturing or whatever. But everybody's got to jump in and figure this out. Yeah. Well, seems like everybody's going to jump in. You know, when you think about your role in commercial real estate. Um, it brings you in touch with lots of different types of people, you know, the opportunity to actually have a collaboration from different influencers, people that really, you know, have assets that they would like to make a difference in some way. How are you finding um, that quality of collaboration for the real, let's say, projects that need to be addressed oh. now? How's that working for you? Well, so historically, commercial real estate is kind of looked at as there's a group of people that play in that arena, and then there's everybody else. And the, the you know, the, we'll call them the Joe Q public, um, they, for the most part, really have not looked at commercial real estate. And when I say commercial, I mean pretty much anything, you know, I use the phrase when I meet with people, uh, is your real estate investment a gift or a business? And it, and it should always be a business because doing gifts with assets uh, only lasts for minutes. And if you actually look at it as a business, you, act, you have the ability to really build some wealth, whether it's for yourself or your kids or whatever it is. So just recently, I've been visiting with people, mostly my age that have grown kids in their 20s that have built a level of, of wealth uh, to maintain them, but actually want to try to do something to help, you know, their kids get going because the American dream has changed. Uh, the ability to buy a single family home on your own without some sort of help um, before the age of 50 is really kind of non-existent. And um, so as a, as a parent, um, if there, there are ways to use the, the model around commercial real estate, which is everything needs to make money, you've got to make your real estate perform. Um, it's a great, you know, it, it can be a great tool for parents or anybody really, but it, real estate should perform. We've reached a place really in this country for sure and really worldwide that Real estate is too expensive to invest in it simply to live in it. it that's, that's a luxury. That's not a, that's not a reality. Um, I was just reading about uh, uh, Elon Musk's new home coaching. He just bought in Texas. And he just bought a 
400 square foot modular home that he paid $50,000 for. And he sold all of the other houses. And there's, there's some interesting philosophies behind that, which is he said, you know, it meets my needs. It's all I need to be comfortable. Why would I have all this money tied up in something that, you know, are 30,000 square foot homes with three pools. Uh, and so I think you're gonna see that shift, which is a good thing. Um, but again, uh, even the richest of the rich appreciate that to have your money sitting in something that is a pretty place to live and pain in um, is not the smartest thing to do. Right. <laughs> Other things to do it that you do. <laughs> right. But this is a big shift in mindset. Oh, it's huge. It's really big. So the opportunity to really look at what is an asset in the 21st century when we're dealing with climate issues and lack of affordable housing Absolutely. and this new generation, you know, I want to introduce Fahim to you in just a minute, but there's a story that you wanted to share, I think, about helping a friend who had a son and yes. she wasn't quite sure what to do right. um, to help that. And you, yes. it iterates your idea about <clears throat> gifts and business. Do you want to tell us that story? Yeah. Well, a friend, just as I said, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm at an age, the same age, that we have grown children that if there's a way to kind of help them start to build wealth, other than expecting them to uh, go and purchase their first home and live in it for 30 years and sell it and have a retirement plan, which is kind of what I grew up with, except I never did that because I was always busy moving. But so when you have that moment that you want to help your kids, the usual pattern is I'll write them a check. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll create a trust fund, I'll whatever. And although that's certainly a, a tool, potentially it's not the best tool if you can, if you're, if you enjoy real estate or you, your kids enjoy real estate um, and you start to see that real estate is an asset performing tool that can build, that can build the, you know, build a, uh, not just the, the revenue from the asset because we have this amazing thing called, you know, Airbnb things or vacation things that people like to live in now for a day or a week or a month. Um, we also uh, can create jobs for our kids around this. We can create opportunities to get creative. What else could you do to with this asset? Um, and you don't have to have it be a house. You could have it be a farm or a, you know, piece of land somewhere. I mean, we, for the most part, if you're, if you're not in the business of real estate, you, real estate is invisible to you, except when you go buy your single family home for your family to live in. And this was what happened to her. You know, she bought, bought and sold houses her whole life. Um, she, and, you know, she had, had a situation that she wanted to, you know, kind of empower kids a little differently uh, in purchasing a piece of property, uh, had that moment that as she's telling me this story, I looked at her and said, so is this a gift or is this a business? And it was an aha moment, like we all get to have in various situations, that she didn't want it to be a gift, that didn't feel good, but she had no idea how to make it a business. 
And so that requires some, you know, folks that actually do speak real estate uh, that can kind of help put that together. But the end result is instead of handing them shares of stock or handing them a, a, a CD or, you know, a trust fund or whatever, um, it's something that helps everything. You know, it's like an all boats float moment that you, you put an asset to work, you've put a, a, a person to work, you've created some jobs around that, you've, you've created some revenue streams. I mean, it's like a little mini business that you bought a you know, condo on the beach, whatever, you know, it's, it is a moment of taking the blinders off. Uh, single family purchases uh, to build wealth I mean, there's a reason why Elon Musk sold all of his. And right, his exactly. <laughs> you know, the dude's not stupid. Right. So there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why single family homes, there is no reason to compete with the Joneses anymore. You know, and that was a driver for years. It was a driver when I was a kid. Um, so your friend, um, when you told her and you asked her that question, and... Uh, you said it was like a profound moment. It was like an aha, and it's like an epiphany. And as a result of that, yeah, it was not only her life, but her family's life. Well, so think about that. When you start off and the idea is, let's go buy a condo on the beach. It will be so cool. We can go there every summer. And, you know, when it's a dream, you know, when it's boxed into a dream, and then somebody like me kind of blows up the dream and says, well, now, wait a minute. What if this could actually be a business? Um, it's an it's a aha for everyone and not always an easy aha because suddenly it's not just about the fun, you know? You mean we have to do something with this? We have to actually make it, make the mortgage payments? You know, I mean, it, it is a, it is a change of, that sometimes is a little easy, but for the most part, it's hard because it's hard to say, I want real estate because it's fun. I want to say I have a second home in Santa Fe uh, so that I can go and hang out. Well, you know, that's interesting, but why would, you know, that's wasteful. There's nothing about that that you can go, man, that makes the world better. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's like shifting the consumer mindset into being more of a steward of our um, environment. Away. And I know this resonates really well with Fahim. Um, so Jill, is it, it's a good time to, I'd love for you, you know, you and Fahim are just getting connected. So I'd love to bring Fahim into the conversation. So Fahim, Fahim Dyer, I'd love for you to um, share a little bit about you and um, give us a little bit of your background and then we'll go into a conversation with Jill. So take it away, Fahim. Sure, so uh, I'm Fahim, I'm 24 years old. I graduated from college, uh, class of 2019. Um, I grew up in the, the central Maryland area. My father's a New Yorker, my mother's from Oakland. Um, um, but Maryland is where, where I call home. And, um, you know, I, I sort of grew up, uh, real estate was uh, in the family, in the blood a little bit. My dad was a developer for many years. Um, 
uh, in, in New York and in Maryland. Um, and uh, I think one of the, the, the key, key turning points for me, key, key uh, leveling up maybe of my perspective was uh, my senior year uh, of high school. Uh, we were living right outside of Baltimore and the, the Freddie Gray incident happened and there was all kinds of unrest and all kinds of hurt uh, in, in the various communities. And I think my parents very astutely recognized that um, those years, really decades, centuries of, of baggage and of, of, of toxic conversations needed to be addressed properly, um, needed to be addressed in a moderated setting with uh, good conversations. And so as I was going off into college and becoming an adult in the world, um, that's sort of what the family was up to is um, helping to, to moderate conversations in a setting of very fraught tension in, in neighborhoods and in, um, in communities. Um, and now I'm working in New York in a commercial real estate. Um, and I think I, I sort of gone into it with this perspective of um, communities uh, and, and the, 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 the land that they're on and the, the space that they exist in, these things are intertwined and um, the relationships between all of it, um, it can't be, can't be overlooked. Uh, right. And I do have uh, some, some questions for Jill as well. Right. Uh, well, before we go there, Fahim, I just yeah. happened to be in an earlier conversation with you today that related to this election that was going on for the mayor of New York <clears throat> that was just happening. And, you know, there's a different type of election that happens in New York that doesn't happen everywhere. And you were noticing, you want to notice something, uh, you were noticing the relationship between a couple of factors that I think Jill would love to hear you say that will lead into the questions that you want to ask her. Do you want to share a little bit of that about what you're most passionate about? Sure. Um, well, I think in that conversation, I, I talked about um, wealth and citizenship and how related those things really are on a, on a core level. Um, and I, I just thought of the that election map because this is the first time the city is uh, using ranked choice voting uh, so it's kind of a pilot program, but uh, among the first round ballots, right, the, everyone, just who they ranked number one, um, the maps of which neighborhoods uh, had the most ranked one choices for which candidate, it maps very neatly with the, the socioeconomic makeup of those neighborhoods. And, you know, that's not uh, something that is a foreign concept, I think, in elections and voting, but it's block by block, really. And you can tell where the affordable housing is because it's lit up with this candidate in a sea of another. And I just thought that was a really profound visualization of the relationship between land and the society that the that is on the land um, and all of the ways that they inform each other. Right. We actually had our first mayor race that used ranked voting last time. Oh, really? So, yeah, and I saw the same thing. It's it's not unique to your city. I don't think it's really unique structure of the vote. Vote. Who's who's listening? You know, who's listening? Who who do I relate to as a candidate as opposed to who spent the most on their marketing campaign? <laughs> sure, and I, maybe maybe there's something too to. Um, people be feeling freer to really support who they resonate most with that makes those kinds of 
lines even clearer. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But I think, um, sorry? Yeah, so this connection between being in commercial real estate in New York as a 24 year old, but having a passion because of the family you grew up in that took on, you know, building community. It was a building a profound sense of community was the name of the organization that they built yeah. in Baltimore. Was that right? The, the organization is called uh, Creating a Profound Sense of Community, APSOC. Right. Absolutely. And you got to witness that. So <clears throat> people coming together to heal from, you know, the issues going on with um, social injustice and um, policing and all the issues that society has been facing these days. You were there. Now you're in New York <clears throat> and, you're, and you're in commercial real estate, but there's a way in which you're being about it that drew you to Jill as a mentor. So I'm gonna just turn it over to you, Fahim, to go ahead and you know ask your mentors some questions. I'm here to support you. Sure. Uh, this, uh, this idea, Jill, of um, that conversation that you had with your friends about gifts versus businesses, I think to me that's such a key distinction that a lot of people miss. I think we were sort of, it's been, it's come up over the course of this conversation that um, there's uh, a lot of homeowners, you know, owners of land, legally speaking, are really in a consumer mindset. And um, they're not really being owners in the way that um, they could be. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't want to get too esoteric, but um, to me, you know, it's like real estate and land is like the key building block of, of society. I think modern civilization as we know it in the modern Western world began when someone planted crops in the ground and said, this plot of land with this corn on it is mine and not this other person's. And uh, this land is going to be used to enrich me and my brood. And society has grown out of that. And, 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 you know, all these conversations really boil down to who is in the brood and what is going to enrich the brood the right way and all of that. But it's all, all land at, at the core of it. And the way that the conversation today is about, um, about just getting a house and sitting on it, you know, um, it turns it into something more like buying a car or a blender or something when there's so much more there historically and at, at the heart of what society is i don't know um if you feel well, the same it's, way but it's lear learning to real estate as an asset as opposed to a widget because i think most people buy homes that's usually their one and only purchase of real estate is to invest in their home, whether it's a condo or a house, um, but they see it as a shiny object. And they see if they buy bigger shiny objects, that means that they're more successful. They've reached certain plateaus in, in their life that they can you know, have a four bedroom house instead of a three bedroom house. And it doesn't, really it's not really necessarily driven by it's because they have four kids and not three or you know it's not it's not a needs-based thing as much as um really an ego thing and historically and way before 
you you were even a thought in your parents' minds. Um, we we use that as a meter of success. If you lived in certain neighborhoods, a certain level of success. If you were able to buy a certain type home, whatever. And what's really I think happening, and certainly your generation, this millennial generation and Z generation, uh, appreciate that. Uh, if you have an asset and it doesn't do more than be shiny, you don't need it. And so, you know, people will say to me, well, I, you know, I bought a home and it's, it's gone up 10% in the last, you know, five years or eight years that I lived in. So I've really made a good investment. And my comment is, well, that's one way to look at it. Uh, how many of those house payments got paid by somebody other than you? How much of of that upside is truly a net upside, not a gross upside. In other words, the math on real estate is so much more than I bought the shiniest object on the block. <laughs> and it, and it's and it that's a recent change. I mean, that is probably within 10 years or less. I think this last COVID journey that we just had and went through one of the lessons that certainly was available for all of us to learn uh, is what do we really need? What do we really need to be comfortable and to, you know, be happy and to have our families healthy and whatever? And the the shiniest object had no value. You know, it didn't matter. I mean, people, we, we're just starting to see the fallout people not being able to hold on to those shiny objects of homes because they either missed, you know, 10 months of house payments or whatever. Um, it, it, is, it is such a huge investment anymore based on your income that if you don't, help, if you don't start to shift that gear of perspective uh, and appreciate that just because you can qualify to buy something uh, doesn't make it good that's just like i you know just because you can qualify for a credit card with five thousand dollar credit line doesn't mean you should go run up four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars it it is it is an asset that needs to work so i think you know certainly people in your in your generation um have an opportunity to totally find the american dream because it it isn't what it uh, that makes total sense to me. Uh, so, what do you think um, a good uh, a good asset to get into right now for young people would be? And like, what do you think? Like, given you know the the state of, of young people generally, economically speaking, is, yeah, is a good way I, to go you know, about it. I I would. I mean, first of all, and I know this really goes against the tide, and it really goes against the tide of people that I work around every day that are real estate brokers. But do you really have to own a home to be somebody? You know, we, we use that as a tool, right? Well, we need to get everybody as homeowners. Well, what, why? You know, who wrote that? So I would say real estate, I would love to see new investment models. And I've not seen them yet. I've seen bits and pieces. But I think, you know, what's open and available should be investment models that are on a much smaller scale so that an investor 
had a thousand dollars to put in a REIT could own a certain slice of a building that was, you know, that was making money. We should be able to lower the entry point on real estate. And that's just creating an investment. There's no magic. It's just, you know, it's just people like yourself that'll sit around and, and financially create that spreadsheet and go, you know, I'm going to get 200 investors instead of 20. And yes, it's kind of a nightmare to deal with 200 versus 20, but guess what? We're in the world of technology and we can create all sorts of ways to deal with that, the volume. Um, and you start investing in things that actually make you money. If you can go into a market and buy an underperforming asset called a house that you can put sweat equity in and you can bring it up to speed and blah, 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 then, uh, and it fits your needs, um, then sure, that's an, that's an opportunity. I would recommend you don't ever buy it personally. You form an LLC and you buy it and you write off everything that you've done to it. And yes, you might pay a point above what you would have on an interest rate, um, but you also get to write off everything as opposed to not writing off that split equity. You know, there are ways to do that. So be smart, you know, get away from buying the, the pretty model home on the corner that drive by and can point to and say, yeah, I bought one of those. Uh, of course, we can't go out to eat for the next five years. You know, if anything happens, we're screwed. Uh, that's when you know you should not buy that piece of property because it that property needs to perform whether you perform And this is what I tell people. If, it's if that purchase is dependent on you making that paycheck every two weeks, ever, why in the world do you want to own it? That, that's called, honestly, that's called a brace around your neck, you know, and a very short leash. And, the and bank functionally, owns, huh? yeah, functionally, functionally not that different from renting, really. Well, it isn't. I mean, you are renting. You just write it off. You get to write the interest off, which everybody gets fired up about. But you know what? If you're not make, you know, if you don't have much to write off, it's not very helpful. And it's really never very helpful. Um, I, I'm and I I love people living in their own homes. I love that concept of yeah, we bought and you know traded up a couple of times and now we can sell and, and you know live free and clear. But the question is, where are you gonna live? Yeah, you sold that house for you know a hundred thousand dollars more than you paid for it eight years ago. But guess what? All houses went up in that area. That so where are you gonna move to? You're gonna change states? Are you gonna change countries? I mean, what are you gonna do? So I'm a I like renting. I honestly, I'm I'm a big fan. And I think that's an investment opportunity for everybody. I think there's structures that could be put together, investment tools, tools that people could own a, a slice of an apartment complex. Um, we, we tried to do that with a, a tool called condos. Well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna create condominiums and we're, it's gonna be more affordable because we're not gonna charge people the full price of the land because they really won't have the land. It'll just be building on top of it. 
okay, that's a really great theory, but guess what? Money got smelled and condos are freaking expensive because they all have condominium association dues wrapped off. And how does that ever make sense? You know, I mean, we have not been friends to individuals wanting to build wealth in real estate. We've been friends to the ultra wealthy and we've been friends to the folks that will just drown themselves in debt, getting themselves into first-time homebuyers or second-time homebuyers. Um, I know I'll get beaten up over that because it is not a very a positive philosophy for somebody that makes their living in real estate. But come on, we can do better than this. I mean, we, yeah, this is ridiculous. We've created a no-win scenario for people in real estate. Yeah, and 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 there is a difference between a, a condominium and you, you talk a little bit about these the a different model for investment. I like this idea. You, it seems almost kind of twenty first century of a oh, crowdsourcing nice. equity ownership. Very much that. You know? I mean, can you imagine? Let me preface this by saying I am like the least techie person you will ever meet in your life. Um, I get really excited when I understand how to you know unfreeze a screen or something. It's like I've perform brain surgery. I get so excited. But, I, you know, can you imagine developing an app that tracks in real time 3,000 real estate investments at various points and that you can just at any time go, well, you know what? I got an extra 500 bucks or I've got an extra 2,000 bucks or I just got a bonus or whatever that you you get into it as a rating and I mean there's ways to create that um and then you get to watch it you know you get to you'll get a link and you can go see what it looks like and and all you know and you'll get a little check every couple of months and real estate can be really fun commercial real estate can be really fun but this this only buy real estate for a place to live for to roof over your head um, just be selective. I'm not saying never buy your own home, but don't look at it as your retirement because it, 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 you're never going to get there. It's the bank will get there. The bank retires on your funds every five years. They love it. They love all that debt. Um, so just be smart, you know, just look at real estate for what it is, which is a high performing asset. Seldom does it lose money. When it does, you need to see what that is. What's happening? What do I need to do? Am I in? Am I out? It's a risk. There's definitely a risk involved. But I've, I'm learning the more I work with people that are really not in this industry at all and never have been, that there is a real gap of a knowledge economy that needs to be because it's expense they have in their lives and it's not even necessarily i mean knowledge is definitely a huge part of it but it's also just no one's thinking of it in that way they're not in that that frame of mind to think um this thing that i'm buying could perform for me and if it doesn't don't buy it you know i don't care how shiny it is it doesn't matter you know go buy a state dinner or something i mean just don't get caught in the emotion um, it, it, it is a very hard dance to win at when you're doing it. I'm not saying you don't, you can't, but it's just, 
it is way more than it used to be. When I grew up, you bought a house, you lived in it for three to five years, you sold it, you moved, the next house was a little bigger than the one you just had. You live in it three to five, you sell it, you move, you know, blah, blah, blah. You also were buying a house, and this has been a hundred years ago, so just bear with me here. <laughs> this was not 10 years ago, but a hundred years ago. Uh, when I was a young person kind of learning this whole reality, the math was you borrowed a third of your annual income. That was your debt load on a piece of on a house. Guess what? You can make that an American dream when it only represents a third of your annual income. The debt. I'm not talking about the payment. I'm talking about the debt. So when you buy a $40,000 house, and yes, there were love $40,000 houses 100 years ago, um, you needed to pay close to $100,000 a year to qualify. When was the last time we, you know, that's the whole affordable housing conversation. When was the last time we were able to do that? 40 years ago, maybe 50, 40, 30 or 40. And then we turned the equation upside down. Now we buy a $400,000 house with somebody making barely a hundred thousand bucks a year. How is that wealth building? It's, it simply isn't. It simply isn't. It is no longer the American dream. The math doesn't work. There is no amount of affordable housing that can happen that we will get back to that $40,000 house for that $100,000 income. We can't buy land for $40,000. So let's think of a different way. That doesn't mean the system's broken, but let's reinvent it. Art of the possible, my friend. Art of the possible. Absolutely, and 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 uh, this next generation of would-be home buyers, I guess, would be that canvas. Absolutely, but, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It should not be considered a negative on your personality or your ability to succeed that you don't own a home. I think not people. I mean, really, that's I, I think people my age, it's not even it's not even considered a possibility, you know, that they're going to own a home. So there's no that stigma is not even there anymore. Right. Uh, but it, should, so... it shouldn't even be even in the conversation. I mean, I, I use somebody will say, well, you know, I bought my first home. Oh, great. Tell me about it. They go through it. And I'm thinking to myself, they will be they will be upside down potentially the rest of their life, unless they get big hits of increase in salary. And that person that owns, you know, 30 shares of REIT slices of, you know, apartment complexes around the United States, that's getting a thousand dollar a month check of revenue, that's the winner. It's not the dude that bought the four bedroom house for his one kid and his three dogs and you know, that's that's an ego decision. And again, I know I'm going to get beat up about this. Yeah. It makes me crazy, you know? It's just like, think it through. Come on. Well, the it's cool thing about Fahim is, is that I've heard him share, you know, 
a project, a passion project, something that he really um, is looking to create. And I wonder, Fahim, if you want to ask that question as your final question um, before we go to the close today about the financial education literacy. You know, who's sure. going to tra who's who's training these people, and how are we going to train them? I think that was your one of your. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like it's related to your something that you're passionate about, Fahim, that you might want to ask um, Jill about. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, um, going to the sort of point about frame of mind for for young people, um, it, it, it ties into, I don't know if it's necessarily education or what, but um, there's obviously the opportunity is not so much in the, the, the typical idea of home, home ownership, that kind of status, symbolic sort of, I have this and this is mine and I'm going to sit on it thing, but it's in that kind of ownership of uh, revenue generating assets. Um, the, the thing is, people are still, they're still stuck in the aftermath of the death of that American dream idea. They're not thinking about um, other ways to make land perform and to, to, to be looking at the real estate market in, in that way. And I think what seems like the necessary thing is to how to spread that awareness and how to spread sort of some basic experience in doing that, um, especially to this new generation of people that, you know, absent a replacement for this idea that's not tenable anymore, are going to just, they're SOL. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Um, I would love to figure out how to put this in a way, I mean, I am a big believer that everyone should own real estate in some way or another whether it's the vacant lot down the block or it's a portion of an apartment complex or, or it's your personal home, but you've created ways to make, you know, make it, make money, you know, perform other than you just hope inflation makes it work for you because that's really the model now, right? The only way you make money in real estate is, is if inflation drives your price up. And that's a horrible investment. That's come on. We, we can do better than that. I think, I mean, I'm all for doing anything. I'm all for putting together some concepts around different structures of REIT investments. I'm all for creating informational podcasts like this one of, you know, let's talk about how to take it from a gift to a business. Let's talk about that. Let's really appreciate that one of the most interesting and potentially rewarding assets we have as an investment community any size on this planet is real estate. It's not oil and gas, it's not solar panels, it's not stock, it's not Bitcoin, it's not gold, it's, it's real estate. And why? Because real estate actually does more than make you money. It provides roofs for people. It provides places for kids to go to school. It provides crops for farmers. It, it, it is a per true performing asset that just needs to be thought of in a little different way. And I think, Fahim, you could be a great, you know, great piece of the puzzle. Uh, going back to your first example at the very front of how you watched the voting happen. Well, what if all those people had ownership in every single parcel on that map? Who would It'd they be a have? very different map. Exactly. 
And that's where we have to go to. That's the direction because that's when all boats float. Wow. <laughs> Fahim, I think you're getting some really cool answers to the vision that you've been holding from the beginning. Is there another question you want to ask, Jill? Because I have a couple um, to ask both of you, but I don't want to crowd into your time. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Okay, well, it's just amazing. I've taken a couple pages of notes here. It's like, what's so exciting is that Fahim is learning from the beginning what he what's possible. It's, and there's a, probably a lot of listeners like my age, you know, who are going, oh no, I did it all wrong. Now what? We all kind of did. Right, I mean, exactly. Yeah. But you're, you're offering a pathway for the wealth transfer to occur from one generation to the next in a way that can really support, uh, you know, moving from the idea of bequeathing a gift to bequeathing a business mm -hmm. and how does the business work? And that is partly, you know, Fahim, you know, you're a business-minded guy living in New York, but you have a vision that's, that's, uh, that ties to your social justice roots as well. So I love that fact that you both are activists in a way um, wanting to bring forward. And I wanna thank you both. We have had Jill DeHaven and Fahim Dyer with us today. And it's been a remarkable conversation. And um, we could talk for another hour, I'm sure. <laughs> but here's the thing, Jill, I have a question for you. Um, sure. Is there anything that you got from today's conversation, um, let's say that is impacting you, affirming you, affirming or enlightening or inspiring you as a result of being with Fahim today? Well, I, I would say the, the biggest thing is, I think you got it, Fahim. I watched your face as we were having conversation and this isn't my big idea. This really is just your, can be your toolbox uh, because I, you know, I, I'm happy to help in any way. But the truth is you are 24, did you say? 23? Yes, 24. Okay, okay. Um, you gotta have a plan. You, you gotta come up with a plan to get you from that to to this, to lots of gray hair and whatever. Um, and I think the real estate piece is critical, but also in my mind, the example of your map that you gave with the voting, you know, that, that can change. And when that changes, the world changes. And it's through real estate. And how cool is that? I mean, that's investing in the future and can be shiny and can be a place to play. It's, it's all those things. So, so I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, That's so great. And so Fahim, you know, back at you about this, um, the wisdom or inspiration or ideas that you've gotten from this conversation with Jill, is there any way that you would, you know, a couple of things that we're gonna stick with you as you move into the rest of your day and weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think the, the the thinking is out there, and I think it's been a reaffirmed for me that you know the, the this stuff is not um is not out of reach. These ideas and 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 the enthusiasm to move in the right direction. Uh, it, it's just all about 
engaging in the art of the possible, right? Instead of just um, chasing what's what's not there. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Cool. cool. Well, when they say knowledge is power, so the opportunity for the young generation to be the leaders for the better world, that's why we're engaged in this intergenerational learning community. And I just would like to say that I'm leaving with a lot, a list of things like, I've got to undo a few things here. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of other people that need to think differently. And it requires some education and empowerment. And I really believe that it's the conversation between people like both of you that are passionate about commercial real estate, but more, it's, it's not about the real estate itself, it's about the land and how to make good use of the land that makes the bigger difference as opposed to the bright shiny objects the way we were conditioned into the consumer madness that's put us into the situation that we're in right now. We can yeah. change that, we can change oh. that. I do believe that it's gonna be the energy of the youth you know, with the elders who care about the same thing. So it's not even about age, it's about energy for shifting the world to a, a positive space of possibility. I love what you said earlier, Jill, when we started that you're not a yeah. Pollyanna, you are a what? It, it's all about the art of the possible. The art of the possible, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank both of you uh, for being with me today. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in because I don't know about you, I'm leaving this meeting, I'm leaving this conversation with a whole lot of inspired thoughts about making the world a better place. And I've got some ways to go into action about it for both of you being here and sharing your insight. And so thanks to all of our listeners. I look Thank forward you. to you being with us in the next conversation. And Jill, before we leave, is there a place that people can reach you that- well, Yeah, I mean, the, you can do my email. I guess it'll be posted here, but it's Santa Fe in my, they spell my name, J-Y-L at gmail.com. Um, I, I love helping. I mean, it's a big thing for me. And if I can help anybody, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I like to make money too. And so there's always that piece because we all have to do that. We all have to find ways to do both doing good and doing well. It needs to be the same pocket. So absolutely. Well, yeah. I love your heart for making a difference. And thanks so much, Fahim Dyer and Jill DeHaven for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you.